comes in, you know, we're plant-based doctors, so we do the, the diet, but it's so much more. On the first visit right away, we start talking about stress and lifestyle right out of the out of the gate because the people who heal are in a good <clears throat> are in a good mindset and are in a good place. And the people who don't, which I was one of those who didn't, the people who don't at the beginning are more worried about it, ruminating on the negative and why am I not achieving enough, right? I was trying to achieve. I wanted the results. I didn't want the journey. I wanted the results. I wanted to write I wanted to write my book on how I reverse my lupus and how healthy I am and how great life is and help other people, right? I already had that in my head. So now when I was doing it and I wasn't getting that um, I was so upset. Like, what am I doing wrong? Everyone else is re- reversing their autoimmune disease. Why can't I? Like, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? Am I overeating? Am I, what am I doing here? And so I let myself be in a negative place because of that. And that held me back. So going to yoga, I started focusing on the yoga. Going, you know, and and doing these mind-body works, I started focusing on my gratitude. And I started, I did coloring books and I started drawing my own pictures and coloring them and, you know, putting out little artwork and silly little things that I was doing that became my focus instead of ruminating on the negatives. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and when we set off in our Honda Fit back in 2016, with everything we owned packed in a few carry-on suitcases, our mission was to raise awareness that living a more vibrant life is within reach for all. One of the things that we learned on that trip is that vibrancy comes in so many ways. For some, it was drinking their first green smoothie. For others, it was cleaning out an overcrowded linen closet or leaving a job that sucked their joy. And what I'm getting at is that it's not just one thing. It's never just one thing. A vibrant life is many things. It's everything. It's our mental nutrition and our physical nutrition. It's our environment, hobbies, habits, and happiness all together that create a lifestyle of health or dis-ease. And we're so excited to see so many doctors widening their scope and expanding their minds to the ever-evolving recipe for vibrant health. Dr. Christina Miller is our guest today, and she worked as an emergency room physician for a decade and served as the president of the Colorado chapter of the American College of Emergency Physicians. She advocated the care of emergency patients and doctors and then was forced to turn that advocacy towards herself as she began to experience her own health concerns. Her path to reclaiming her own health led to her changing the way she practiced medicine. Dr. Chris now focuses exclusively on nutrition and lifestyle changes as a means to treat the root cause of disease, which to me means healing. We're so excited to be chatting with another member of the plant-based telehealth team of physicians and can't wait to dive in because it seems to me that this doc leans heavily into mindset as a key factor in health. Dr. Christina Miller, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I love being here. I'm so honored to be here with you today. And you've been binging a little bit on the Yogi Triathlete podcast. I have. I've been catching up. I'm, I've been going through episode after episode on my heights around here. So it's been great. That's so cool. That's so cool. And you're a triathlete. I am. I was telling you guys, I haven't done an Ironman or half Ironman, but I've done two Olympic levels and I was the second to last person out of the water, but I was still like so proud of myself that I even did it at all. That was my first one. You know, it's triathlons are epic. And I remember when we showed up to our first duathlon, I was like, all right, I'll try out this duathlon thing. And I realized there was such an obvious absence of me wanting to like throw up or pass out. And I realized like that swim is really what makes that sport so hardcore. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> it really is. That's the biggest source of anxiety. In fear, yeah. Right? And I had heard that when, right when you get in the water and all the triathletes out there will know this, right when you get in the water, you feel like your adrenaline goes crazy. So I was kind of anticipating that, but it, what I didn't know the level, like people were swimming over me and I was like, ah, it was crazy, but I got through it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's addicting, right? And then we get through it and we're like, oh my God, I survived. And we're so proud of ourselves. And then we're like, I'm never doing one again. Or I could do one and I could do it faster and right. I could be better at this. And like, why did I let that person beat me in the shoot? Like, yeah. I don't know. That's not going to happen again. So it is pretty addicting. But you're back in New Hampshire now, right? You were in well, Colorado Well, actually, I was in New Hampshire for a year and a half and I just moved back to Colorado. So oh, nice. I'm back in the valley um, near Aspen where I've been for the past 15 years. Oh, wonderful. So not ready yet to get out of the snow. You're like, you like the cold. Yeah, no, I love it here. I came back for the friends, but I love the outdoor living too. All the activities we get to do. Everybody life is based on outdoor, outdoor activities. We meet friends, we go for a hike. We're not just sitting around. So it's a very active lifestyle here. Yeah, that's how it is. I mean, we're in Southern California, so same mm -hmm. thing. We just don't have the snow, right? But everybody is out and mm -hmm. about. And even like in 2020 when, you know, things were all kind of getting shut down and stuff, like the locals here in the village were like, yeah, we're not doing that. Like we're going out and yeah. we're moving our bodies. And the right. surfers, the surfers were like, we are, we are not staying out of the ocean. Like we're surfing. You, this is our health. And in the yeah. city kind of. I mean, we were social distanced, but we yes. were still outside. Yes. And the city kind of turned a blind eye and they were just like, you guys just don't, don't do anything really stupid. <laughs> and we'll kind of just pretend none of this is happening, which was so fabulous. I felt like I was living in a utopia. Felt so blessed. And now uh, we know being outdoors was okay. So it was all right anyway. Yes. Oh my God. Outdoors is medicine. So speaking of medicine, I want to dive into your story um, because you started out uh, in the emergency room and take like, what got you into medicine? Let's back up the truck a little bit more because I don't know that story. What got you into medicine and, and take us through, you know, your transformation as a doctor and, and your transformation of your health. Yeah. So um, I always liked human anatomy, the human body, um, physiology. So that was an interest of mine. And so it, was, it sort of led me right into medicine. And um, I initially studied adult medicine, um, internal medicine, and I didn't really like it. Um, back in the day, you know, when you're trained, you give people medications, you do labs, they get sicker and sicker over time. And so I, as a resident, I already felt like I was burning out in medicine. I was like, this is so depressing. This is the most depressing job I've ever, I could ever imagine having. And so I switched careers after my internal medicine residency training to emergency medicine. And there people came in, they were sick, they were hurt. It was a trauma. There was something bad happening. It's the worst day of their lives. They're in the ER and I could take care of them. And it was the greatest job in the world. I loved it. I loved being there, walking them through it. I loved that we could take care of critical patients. I loved taking care of sick people. And um, it was just, it was a fast paced, fun job. It's the most honor because you take care of everyone in your community, you know, everything going on, you know, every paramedic driver and police officer, like, cause you're part of, you're part of your, your town. And so I was the doctor and I, you know, I loved my role and I've been practicing for about 10 years and I started having joint pains where my finger swelled up the whole finger and, and I couldn't bend it. And I was like, that's weird. I didn't hurt it. I couldn't, I didn't know what happened to it. That was it. It just started with that joint pain and then it went away. So I ignored it, kept working. And then it was another finger, like a joint pain on the other hand. And I was like, 
oh, that's going to be autoimmune. Shoot, like what happened? What's wrong with me? And within a week, like all my fingers had swollen up and I couldn't really bend them. And so I was still working in the ER. And I remember I had a patient that was not breathing and I had to put a breathing tube in for him. And, you know, you have the handle you have and you have the breathing tube and um, the patient's paralyzed in order to do this. And I couldn't bend my hands and I had adrenaline going. So I was like, I have to for this patient. And I just, I did it and it went well, but I was so scared and my hands were so stiff and I, my legs started hurting. I was limping by the end of each shift. Like it was terrible. So I went to see the doctor and it came back positive for lupus antibodies, rheumatoid arthritis antibodies, like everything was positive. And I didn't even know this. I'm in my thirties. I thought I was healthy. I was newly married. I was living in Aspen, Colorado. Like I, I exercise every day of my life. Like I could not believe it. I just, it just totally blindsided me. And as a physician kind of didn't think it would happen to me. I was sort of in the invincible phase of my life. And so it really knocked me down. Like it just devastated me. And as a physician, I also know the bad things that can happen from these illnesses. And so I was really scared and I was crying. I was depressed and it just spiraled. It kept getting worse and worse and worse. And they put me on all these medications. This is 10 years ago now. So I was put on six medications at one point um, to control my immune system. And it just kept getting worse. I was still working in the ER in every shift. I had so much pain. My labs were getting worse. I, I was limping. I was hurting. And, and people were asking me, nurses were like, what's wrong? And did did you hurt yourself running this weekend? And I was like, oh, I'm just a little sore. Like, I didn't want to tell people. I didn't want to be the sick doctor. I didn't want to be labeled. And I was just, I was sort of ashamed of it. Like, how could I be sick? Um, it was terrible. It was a terrible phase of my life. And so nobody told me about diet. I had no idea about any of these podcasts or I had, you know, forks over knives hadn't been created yet. I didn't know any of this. And so I was and I lived, you know, in, in Colorado and I talked, I had doctor friends, but I still didn't know any of this. So I started Googling, what could I do for lupus, for autoimmune disease? And I learned about plant-based eating and I saw other people doing it. And so I flew out to conferences and I went to see every plant-based doctor you can imagine from Dr. Furman to Dr. Esselstyn to Dr. McDougal. Like I listened to every single one of them. I flew out there and, um, you know, read all the books, the China study, everything I could get my hands on. And I just overhauled my diet and I got a little bit better, but it didn't fully reverse. I'm not one of those people like, oh, three months plant-based and my symptoms are gone and my antibodies are normal and I'm healthy now. Woohoo! It wasn't like that at all. In fact, I got worse for a long time. Um, and that's sort of my journey. It wasn't, I knew this was the answer. I knew once I learned about plant-based eating, there was, that was it. Like the, the evidence is there. There was no question. It's the right thing to do. But it didn't work for me at the beginning. There were so many hurdles that I had to overcome and figure out the right way to eat to actually improve my immune system. So it has been quite a journey, but it's been 10 years. I'm still 100% plant-based. I've never gone back. And I'm, after many years, I finally um, figured it out to what worked for my body. And I'm so much better now. Oh, my gosh. I don't need all those medications anymore. And I don't have any pains at all. I don't need – I was on 90 milligrams of steroids, which is a horrifically, horribly high dose. And I still had pain. And now I'm on no steroids and I have no pain. Um, so it completely resolved. And I'm back to running and being active. Um, haven't done any more triathlons, but I am still very active. And so, uh, yeah, it's been quite the journey. That's quite, it's quite the burden to carry. Um, the only thing I can equate to it is like when I became a yoga teacher and I had, I just had all this pressure on myself that I could never like, I could never 
ever let anybody know that I was like thinking a negative thought, right? Or having a bad day or feeling right. like that depressive energy. Cause I was like, I'm in my, in our, in the person who trained us, like warned us of this. He's like, you're going to go out there and you can have all this pressure that you need to be spiritual. And he's like, just be yourself. But you know, you're, you didn't become a doctor because you're not somebody that likes to, you know, like you, you've got drive, right? You didn't do a triathlon. You didn't make it through that swim with people swimming <laughs> over with you because you're a quitter. Like you're somebody that, that goes, and that's how I am too. And I just wanted to be really good, but it's, it's, and so it's it's different, right? Because I was a yoga teacher, and it's I guess it's not different because it's all relative, right? No, to our I totally experience. relate with what you're saying. That but it's totally it's different. like shameful, and that mm -hmm. must have been a really stressful thing mm -hmm. for you to be carrying when yeah. that's like the last thing you need to be doing is increasing stress when you're dealing with yeah. autoimmune. I feel like now there's a lot of doctors talking about their stories and how they've improved themselves, so it's kind of accepted. But back then. People were labeled, you know, we and I didn't want to be the lupus doctor and or pe nurses to think about me. Oh, poor Chris or to be weak or I didn't want that at all. And so I hid it for I I told my partners, the doctors in the group, I didn't tell anyone else. And I, it was it, I felt I felt ashamed. I mean, I felt like I didn't want anyone to know I was weak or I wasn't as strong as I put out there. And so it was really hard. And even now, like I talk about it, but sometimes I'm like, I don't want to be the lupus doctor. I want to be the hell. I want to be the triathlete doctor. Like, I don't want that label anymore. Like, I want a better label. So I still have that in me a little bit. Yeah. And was there like a, le did you have it all like a level of fear? Like, I mean, it worked out well when you were putting that breathing tube in, you got that in there, but did you, as your symptoms, like it's getting worse and you're on all the steroids that, did you carry a bit of fear? Like, oh my God, what if like, what if something happens and I'm not able to care for these patients? You're a patient advocate, you're loving your job. And then all of a sudden your skills are compromised. I had a ton of fear. I never thought I would do be a bad doctor, though. Um, if I was ever in a position, I didn't think I could do it. I don't. I just thought I would. I never thought I wouldn't be able to do it. But um, I just thought I won't be able to do this job anymore. And I did. I finally quit in the ER, and I sobbed on that day. And I, it's it's my personal identity. I mean, imagine you can't ever do a triathlon again, or can't ever do yoga again. Like that's who you guys are right now and who you're proud of, right? And I work so hard. I'm proud that I'm an ER doctor. I still to this day am. And so when I had to quit that, my identity went with me and it, I was so depressed. And so I've rebuilt myself as a plant-based doctor, but it's still not the high level that I wanted to be at. I still need to achieve something as a plant-based doctor to reach what I had before in the ER, if that makes sense. I'm still pushing. Yeah. yeah. Are you still looking for that, that, that kind of that next thing, right? Like that yeah. next, like, hmm. You a little adrenaline junkie? You got a little adrenaline junkie <laughs> in you. Maybe that could be your new title. I'm the adrenaline I know what they say in the ER, you have to be an adrenaline junkie, right? Because yeah. your whole your whole job is about adrenaline. You never know what's going to roll in the door and you have to be ready for it every second. And so, and then when I'm not working, you know, I'm trying, I'm out there doing my events or pushing myself in some way. So I do, I love it. Um, and so, but with plant-based now, I, I have a whole new role, which I'm loving, but I'm still quite finding that last little niche in it. When you, when you moved to the plant-based diet, were you, uh, were you like over exuberant about sharing that, that news of how, cause you're doing all the research or you get all the, the information to back what you're doing. Um, but you get so excited. And so like, did you find yourself trying to convert everybody right away? 
Oh my God, everybody, every <laughs> single person. And people would roll into the ER having a heart attack. I'm like, what's your diet? What do you eat? Did you just have stress in your life? And I'm like, okay, when you get out of this cath lab and after they fix this, um, put a stent in you, we have to talk. Here's my card. I want you to call me. And oh my God, I talked every asthmatic who came in. I was like, do you know diet can affect? Stop drinking milk. And you're going to get, you know, and I was just like, and we have like one minute or two minutes with our patients. And so I had to get the meds or, you know, order the meds and get the vitals and, and we're getting things going. And I'm like, hey, we got to talk about diet. When we have a minute, I'm going to pop back in here and I want to know everything that you eat. And oh my God, I was, and I started a little clinic and I was sending people after the ER, I was discharging them. And I was like, call me in my clinic. It's free. I mean, I just wanted to get them in. So I was like, I would have them come to my little, it was just like a little one room place. And we would talk about diet for half an hour with them and get, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was, and then it's the, the other doctors are like, what are you eating? Why do you, you know, cause I, was, I lost a little bit of weight. I'd been so bloated and swollen with all that prednisone. And so all that weight came right off. And so they're like, what are you doing? And so I was sharing with Everyone, yeah. <laughs> I, was at the hospital. I mean, it was out of control. I mean, it still is, but when I was in the ER, it was really out of control. <laughs> when you when you connect with something, you want to scream it from the mountaintops. Like you just oh, know sure. that this is worthwhile. But I think what's even more powerful about your story is that you you were failing at first. Like you were eating plants, but it wasn't curing completely curing you, but you stuck with it. Like that's yeah. Po that's powerful. You stuck with something that you truly believed in, even though the physical evidence wasn't showing. Yeah. Um, the, it wasn't showing up yet. Yeah. See, I'm the endurance athlete. I'm not the sprinter. Mm. Um, and that's true in my real life too. But, um, so, you know, I, I sometimes struggle when I see the stories out there of people who reverse super quickly. And then I kind of get mad. Like, it's not like everyone is like that, like good for that person. And I'm glad they're sharing their story. That's awesome. But it's not like that for a lot of people. And so now I work with all these patients and they're like, why am I not better? It's been two months. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It can take a little bit longer. You know, we got to figure you out. You're, you know, you're starting this basic protocol, but you're going to be unique. We all have different food sensitivity. We have different gut microbiomes. We have different stressors. We have different reasons this is happening to us. And so when we get to the underlying cause, it's going to be a little bit different for each of us. And so the treatment, yes, we're all eating lots of plants and we're working on our stress and we're doing these other things, but it is a little bit different. And that's what, for me, I was talking to all these great guru doctors and they're like, oh, you have to eat this diet exactly. And so I did and I got worse. And they're like, no, 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 you can't be worse. Everyone gets better. I'm like, I feel terrible. I'm flaring. Like, and so I learned on my own and I have now I have little steps to help people if they're inflamed or if it's not working, you know, we, we make rapid tweaks so that they don't have to go through the long struggle I did. But yeah, my message is that it, we have, we're all different and it's going to, it might take time and that's okay. As long as we're on the right pathway and we keep moving forward and we keep re redirecting, right. As soon as we, we learn from it and if we're not better, we figure out why and we redirect so that we do make progress. Yeah. Cause we're so unique, right? Like our mm -hmm. histories and, and although, although we all, you know, our bodies for the most part, you know, arms and legs for the most part, everything kind of looks the same. Like we've got very unique patterns and history and personalities that need to be taken into consideration. Like I was saying in the intro, it's not one thing. It's like many things. It's everything. No, it's true. When did you start to realize like, okay, the food is so big, but there's more too. Yeah. So that's a great question. I was completely plant-based and like I said, screaming it from the mountaintops, even though I didn't get the results, I did lose weight. I was so excited about what was happening. And, um, that was a, probably about two years. And then I was like, huh, 
I'm not getting these results that everyone else is. And I would call the doctors. I did all these expensive appointments with them. And I flew out to more conferences and talked to them. And, and they're like, no, no, keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. And I was like, huh, something's off. And, and so that's when I, I signed up to do a fellowship with Dr. Andrew Wild because he does, he does integrated medicine fellowship and um, based out of Arizona. And it's a lot of mind body work. And that's when I got into all the mind body um, uh, mind tricks, I call them. And so when I, I learned to meditate and you don't, you do three months of certain types of meditating with monks or with a certain person or, or um, certain types of um, meditation, certain types of um, yoga. You know, that's when I did all my yoga training and I started learning the data about that. And I started noticing the benefits in that. And so I did a whole time. I did a whole two years learning different mind body tricks and um, really delving into it and working with people one-on-one and in groups. And um, that helped tremendously for me. So I started to realize my stress and my worry, being a doctor, knowing what was going bad, worrying and worrying and worrying, going over and over and over my mind, how that was making it worse and negative self-talk. If I wasn't getting results right away, I was doing it wrong and I was a failure. And so all of that was happening in me. And um, so I learned to turn that voice off, to turn it around, to start high-fiving myself and celebrating myself. Myself, you know, like I did for so many of my little events. And so that helped tremendously. And I started making huge strides forward again after that. What did you find? You, I'm curious about the yoga, like in your yoga uh, teacher training and understanding the practice, what, what was a, a benefit that you received from it that, that was sort of unexpected? I know we'll get the body awareness. Yeah. But. Um, so I had read a study that uh, eight weeks of yoga twice a week reduce um, rheumatoid arthritis sufferers, their joint pains by 50%. So I knew that data and I was like, huh, I have so I had so much joint pain, even on a plant-based diet. I hurt a lot all the time. And so I was like, all right, I want to start yoga. You know, I was doing everything. And so I already had the plant-based part down. So I'm, now I'm doing yoga. And so I did it three days a week. And um, I'm in, I was in Aspen, Colorado. And so I there's a little studio right here. And so I started going to that studio. And actually, before that, I went to the Aspen Club, which I had a little office there. That's why I did my nutrition. And I went to that um, to that to those yoga. And I went to several different instructors, and I hated it. I'm like, I don't like yoga. I really don't like it. I was trying different types, and it was boring. I was watching my watch. I was uncomfortable. I I didn't like it at all. I was like, I don't think this is for me. And so that ended. So And then I heard about the studio, and I went to a free class. She was doing a demo. And I fell in love with her. Like literally I fell in love with her. And so I started going regular and then I did a 30 day, 30 yoga classes challenge and I loved it. I could knock it up. And this is now probably, oh gosh, maybe eight years ago, seven years ago. And I do yoga all the time and I still do it with that same instructor. Um, I do other classes too now, but so what it was about her, she's very much all about, um, it's more than just yoga. So you guys know that, right? It's so much, she connects you with the mind, body, spirit, how, you know, you're, you're a goddess, but you're a god, but you're also a human being with two feet on the ground and, and, you know, find your inner sparkle and you, you know, who are you really get the energy moving and just all these little words that she says that, and then, I'm, and then it's hard. It's actually hard yoga. So it's really good workout too. And hard poses that I, I still can't get through all the poses. Um, and so, and my balance got better and it just, changed. I just love my yoga now. It's so important to me. So I do it at least three days every single week. 
You're, you're, like, just, you're like an encyclopedia. Of, <laughs> I mean, like I look at I look at your journey, just what you've shared with us, and it's like, oh man, like whew, that took a long time, and oh yeah. That, but can you see the worth in what you experienced in treating your patients? Like, oh my gosh, yeah. Because and so and that's the thing. Like everyone comes in, you know, we're plant based doctors, so we do the the diet, but it's so much more. On the first visit, right away, we start talking about stress and lifestyle right out of the out of the gate because the people who heal are in a good, are in a good mindset and are in a good place. And the people who don't, which I was one of those who didn't, the people who don't at the beginning are more worried about it and ruminating on the negative. And why am I not achieving enough? Right. I was trying to achieve. I wanted the results. I didn't want the journey. I wanted the results. I wanted to write, I wanted to write my book on how I reverse my lupus and how healthy I am and how great life is and help other people. Right. I already had that in my head. So now when I was doing it and I wasn't getting that, um, I was so upset. Like, what am I doing wrong? Everyone else is re- reversing their autoimmune disease. Why can't I? Like, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? Am I overeating? Am I, what am I doing here? And so I let myself be in a negative place because of that. And that held me back. So going to yoga, I started focusing on the yoga, going, you know, and and doing these mind body works. I started focusing on my gratitude and I started, I did coloring books and I started drawing my own pictures and coloring them and, you know, putting out little artwork and silly little things that I was doing that became my focus instead of ruminating on the negatives. And I started focusing on the journey instead of the destination. And, and I, um, there's, Coach Wooden, do you guys, are you familiar with who he is? Mm -hmm. He was the coach of UCLA um, basketball, and he has a saying that success is not the outcome, but it's knowing the satisfaction and knowing you gave your best. And I said, if that's success, I'm not sure I'm successful all the time because I'm more focused on the outcome and beating myself up than knowing I gave my best. So if I, am I really eating 100% plant-based, you know, lots of raw and juices and smooth stuff I'm supposed to be eating? If I am, then I should be proud of myself because I'm successful, regardless of my results, right? Am I doing my yoga regularly? I am. Am I meditating? Am I laughing? Am I connecting with others? All these things I know, working on my sleep, moving my body every day. Am I doing those things? I am. Then I'm very successful and I'm proud of myself. And I started focusing on that. And so I share that with my patients. And so if they're not giving it their best, then I can't help the outcome and maybe they're not being successful and they have to be honest with themselves. You know, so we talk about these things and we can work on one thing at a time. I worked on one thing at a time. So, um, you know, so I do, I share all that with people and, and work helping them with the journey and, and finding ways to make it work for them. Like, this is what we know works now. How can we make it work for you? Or how can we get you there to that point? So yes, I've learned a lot to share. <laughs> what, um, what do you see as uh, one or two of the, the, the highest, um, uh, stressors in these in in the lives of these patients you're working with, like what is at the root of of stress? Like maybe the top. Um, so once you're diagnosed with chronic illness, you have this weight on your shoulders. It's there all the time. Like I used to love that line. You know what's wrong right now? And and say nothing, absolutely nothing. Like nothing's wrong. Like I would be so I was such a happy person before. Um, I was voted happy go lucky from high school, and like I was always in a happy mindset. Once I had lupus, it was just always there. So I'd be out with friends, and I still had lupus. Or I'd be working the ER like on a good shift, and I still had lupus. And it was so depressing. Like I didn't want that. I don't want that association. I don't want to be that person, but I am. And so I labeled, instead of thinking of me, Chris Miller, I'm an amazing person, I thought of me, Chris Miller, I have lupus. 
And it just ruined everything for me. And that was such a stressor. And I see that in my patients, I know that they're carrying that burden with them, right? And they want results and they want to be feel better and they want they want their lives back. And so um, it's it's hard. It's hard. And then, you know, we're working on these meal plans and they, they can be pretty I'm not going to say strict, nothing is strict. They're focused, right? If you want results, you got you got to push yourself for results, right? You're not going to win the triathlon if you just kind of half ass it. You got to push yourself. And so it's the same thing. If you want results here, you got to you got to really it's going to be a focused diet plan and a focused lifestyle plan. And so um it's a stressor. You know, how do you do that focused plan if you have a full-time job and kids and a life and now I just added another stressor that you got to eat only this food and, and and it's maybe not what you even like to eat. And so that's a stressor for people. And now I'm telling them they got to wake up earlier to meditate and do yoga and get move their bodies for 30 minutes every day like if they want to and then they got to sleep more if they want to feel better like that's stress. So and I don't want, I always say, I don't want working with me to be stressful. So we have to, we start in little increments. If, you know, if, it's, if that turns out to be stressful for me, it was awesome. I overhauled my diet and, you know, I just wanted to go for it, but it's not that way for a lot of people. And so it can't be stressful. It has to be an adventure. It has to be fun. It has to be exciting. It has to be challenging. And that's, you know, in that mindset, we move forward with people. So, um, because it's, it's, there's a lot of stress that goes with this. I don't think that, I, I think, I think this, we talked about this twice now, like I think the stories of success, the instantaneous ones, it's not the norm. I think like your story, like that's not the norm. I think yeah. people, people resist, um, they're, um, they're, they're entrenched in their habits. Like it's just so strong. Like, and now you're asking me to, to get up early to, you know, to meditate and then to, to watch the food I eat, but you're really asking them to step up their game of, of ownership of their life, like take ownership mm -hmm. of your life. Like, you're there to guide them. You're not going to babysit them. You're going to guide them and you right. have their best interests in mind. But yeah, I think, I think it's important to, to take those baby steps a little bit every day over a long period of time is something we like to say. And it's not the sexy, <laughs> it's not <laughs> yeah. the sexy process, <laughs> but it's, it's works. So it works. It right? is. It's so true because it's a, it's a whole lifestyle change anyway. And I, this isn't like a, you know, 21 day right. detox or something. This is it. This is a lifestyle change. And so, and it's so mindset because those who go into it with, this is going to be awesome. All right. I get to get my health back. I'm ready. Let's attack this, that mindset versus, oh my gosh, poor me. I'm not going to have anything to eat anymore. And now, now I got to get up early too. And I'm so busy, you know, like you could see those two mindsets. One is going to strive more and one is in a bad mindset. So we got to first work on that mindset of that person, right? We got to do one little thing and celebrate that success. Like, woohoo, you added smoothies. That's awesome. And then make them feel good. So now they're in the place where they can go and, you know, each step they're celebrating versus like, oh my God, this is terrible. And what has happened to me? And, you know, my life sucks right now. And so we don't want that ever. So if anyone's out there listening and they're in that low mindset, we got to work on that, right? away because we can we can get you out of that and get you to a place of celebrating victory and and challenges and fun and like all of that that's what healing is all about yeah and there's two different mindsets one is empowered and powerful and the other one is powerless and doesn't feel like you have any choice and it's just like one more thing you have to do and to move forward from a mindset that's like oh like powerlessness it's not gonna it's like i don't think it's i haven't seen long-lasting results let me right or and really the other thing is, 
who are not victims. Like this is just simple biology or physiology. And it, if people are like, well, why did this happen to me? Well, why not? Did, you know, we weren't eating well or we lived stressful lives or were exposed to toxins. Like there's a lot of reasons. And so now we're the lucky ones who get to figure it out and move forward and improve our health. So, you know, not seeing us as victims, but seeing taking, like you said, taking ownership and moving ourselves into a higher state. Yeah. yeah, through yoga, which raises our energy level, right? That's what we yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, well, I mean, I think there's some science around there. Like meditation actually will benefit the like our cells, right? Like we can mm -hmm. have positive changes and mm -hmm. beneficial changes in our cellular structure. Um, and for the record, we really are energy beings. I have to put this in right now. Yeah, we do EKGs of people's hearts. And that's their energy. It picks up a rhythm tracing of their energy. So we are energy beings. We do EEGs, electroencephalograms of people's brains. That's the energy. We're picking up the energy of them. So we have we can detect the energy. So when we do these things, when we say get to a higher energy or vibrate at a higher energy, we really are energy beings. Like there's real science that supports that. So anyway, when I'm in my yoga class and they say that, I take it very seriously because I know that that's that's there's science behind that. It's not just talk in a yoga class. So. No, it's not. And you are so speak, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you just heard a medical doctor talk about how we are vibrational beings. Um, we are, we're vibrational beings mm -hmm. in a vibrational universe. And, um, you know, that vibration can be high and it can be low and we all know how those feel and the differences. And if it's low, you know, sometimes we just need to feel that and be patient. But as long as we're guiding you know, guiding, mm -hmm. uh, watching those thoughts, guiding our thoughts, like, mm -hmm. and kindness to ourselves in the process. Mm -hmm. Kindness to like, you know, you're not a loser because you feel crappy today or you, that you feel crappy today and you felt crappy yesterday and the crappy the day before, but get out and move your body. Mm -hmm. You know, make a list of things you can do. That's like our yeah. our big thing. If you know, it's so many years, 16, 18, I don't even know how many years and as endurance athletes, like we've been injured, right? And the first thing I do is make a list. What can I do? Yeah. You know, I can meditate more. That's always the first one. Like, ugh. I can meditate more. <laughs> I can meditate more longer. I can yoga. swim, yoga, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah. Mindset, mindset is huge, but what I'd love mm -hmm. for you to talk about a little bit um, in the physiology of it is like, or the science of it is like, okay, we talk about stress. Everyone knows stress isn't good, da, da, da. But what's happening? What's happening in the body when, when we've got stress? Because endurance athletes, they're swimming, they're biking, they're running, they're training for long trail runs, they're, you know, working, paying mortgages, all this stuff. And their hobby is like a part-time or full-time job. And that in it, self is stress. And then of course, mm -hmm. life, if we're not paying attention, how we're moving through it and how we're reacting or versus responding. So what's going on with stress? Why, why is it not good for us? There's several, there's a lot of things happening with the stress response. So the stress response is designed for fight or flight for emergency situations to save our lives, right? Something's going on. There's a fire. There's something attacking us. There's a car coming at us. Our stress impact, um, impulse kicks in and we get a faster heart rate and it beats stronger. We get, we're breathing faster. Um, our immune system is turned off because we don't need to we don't need our immune system right now when we're running from a car that's about to hit us, right? So um, in that moment, you are prepared for that. Um, and and your GI tract is shut down because you're not digesting food in that moment. You're running from this thing that's attacking you. And so that's the stress response. And, and that's good in that immediate 
um, environment. But back in the day when people had a stress response, they were running from an animal or something that was attacking them. And they were one, it was short term and it, it ended. And two, they were exercising off the increased energy that you get with stress. So your body makes more glucose immediately in a stress response. You have glucose in your blood so that you can run and run fast. Your heart's beating stronger. So you're going to run fast in that stress moment. So that, so that's what it's for. But as you can imagine, we don't want to be living with chronic stress. Your body doesn't know the difference between a stressful thought you're worried. What am I going to make for dinner? Um, Oh my gosh, I have this deadline at work and you're thinking about that. My in-laws are coming this weekend for Christmas. Oh my God, this is going to be terrible. That your body thinks, oh my God, we're running from something. And so it's shutting down your GI tract. It's turning off your immune system. It's, it's, um, it's, your heart is beating stronger, faster, blood pressure is going up, right? So you're getting the stress response. And this is happening through thoughts from your head are going to the back, um, you know, your frontal cortex is sending it to the back, your pituitary gland and hypothalamus, and it's releasing over a hundred hormones throughout your body from your adrenals, from, you know, different endocrine organs throughout your body. And you're releasing adrenaline, you know, epinephrine, which is adrenaline, um, norepinephrine, these, all these different hormones throughout your body to cause your heart rate to go faster, your blood pressure to go up to cause these things to happen. And the other thing is you're more sympathetic. So sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system, sympathetic causes fight or is your fight or flight. So you are ready, prepared for danger to happen. And you're, we're living in this fight or flight environment, whereas parasympathetic is rest and repair and restore your GI tract digests better, your immune system to heal an autoimmune disease. You have to be in, in parasympathetic environment. That's the healing area. And so when we're living in a stressful world, worried, 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 which was me back in the day, all the time sympathetic. And I'm like, why is my plant-based diet not getting better? Why am I not getting better? Like, Of course, I'm not getting better. I wasn't in a rest and repair mode. So when we're really in that stressed out and we can hear it, like when I listen to people's lungs, people are taking short, shallow breathing. They're not even taking those big, expansive people who are really stressed out and people don't even realize it. Like, and they're like, oh, how are you? I'm busy they don't realize they're stressed. They just live. And that's just their chronic way of being. And so what we need to do is get them back up into parasympathetic to turn off these stressful thoughts, to turn down all these hormones. And then our blood pressure starts to come out. Our heart rate starts to slow down and our gut turns back on. All these GI issues start to get better. Um, The microbiome even gets out of balance during stress. This shows that the microbiome, which usually works in a synergistic way throughout the um, colon, that it, it becomes discombobulated was the term it used in the study um, with just with stressful thoughts. And so we have our thoughts are so powerful. And I always say, if our stress can cause our blood pressure to go up, which we know when people go to the doctor's office, their blood pressure is higher. If our mind can do that, our mind can also turn it off. That's the relaxation response. And there's studies that show that we are powerful beings and we can turn off that stress response. But that's where we have to work on because I personally could not just turn it off. I read that data, but I did not have the tool within me to do it. I had to start going to yoga. I and I couldn't even meditate. I was so stressed out. And so I had to start coloring books, which became my meditation initially before I could do a meditation. I had to do, you know, I did this yoga regularly, which made me focus and I, could, I couldn't have these other thoughts or I fell out of my poses. And so, you know, I did the deep breathing and all those activities to focus myself, to put myself back in parasympathetic. And only then did I start to feel the differences of, of healing. Mm. Um, that's like, I'm just shocked, um, (laughs) that the digestion shuts down, but it makes so much sense. Uh, if we turn this into, if we related to athletes, 
moving into race week, they're, they've got travel mm -hmm. plans, family commitments, their, their digestions tends, their nerves pick up, right? The stress comes up, mm -hmm. you know, let's just say an athlete's undertrained or going into a big event that they're, they aren't prepared for. And the stress keeps building up and building up and they get to race day and it's a, it's a normal state you're saying, and their digestion would shut down and they're trying to mm -hmm. put fuel in their body to fuel mm -hmm. for this event, but it, they're having cramps, they're having opportunities mm -hmm. in the body. So it, it just makes so much sense that, mm -hmm. that the stress ball is really blocking mm -hmm. their ability to perform to the level that they've trained at for, for months or, or, or years. Mm -hmm. um, and the microbiome gets damaged and you can actually get leaky gut from long endurance athletes. So we've seen that in people. So there's, they start, their gut starts to break down. So they have, it just, it heals with rest and repair. So if people take the time, you know, and can decrease the stress that heals. And you also know, like when you're in stress, the when it shuts down, it first thing it does is it tries to empty it out of you get any stool out right away. So it's empty and then it shuts down. And you know that you have to go to the bathroom, right? You have to go to the bathroom right away. Everyone has to have a bowel moment when you're really anxious and that's your gut shutting down right there for the stress is kicking in and you want to have that bowel moment. Your body's trying to void everything in it. So it's lighter and you're ready for fight or flight and you're going like that's, that's the stress response too. So anytime I feel that if I'm giving a talk, I'm really nervous. Or if I'm doing an event, um, I just do little local races now, um, short things. But if I'm doing something, I get nervous for it. Um, and I feel that I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's my stress. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I go to the bathroom, but I try to like calm myself down. Like I don't want that much stress in me. Like I trying to calm it down, but you know, obviously stress is good. Stress is important for us. So stress, it's not like all stress is bad at all. You, there's a stress response. This is healthy stress. And we all want to get to that point of healthy stress, not too much stress. And that's where we start to get, you know, get sick and, and have problems. But um, yeah, it's interesting when we see it happen to our bodies, I'm like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> and just like you can't out exercise yourself out of a bad diet, I don't think that you can eat super healthy stuff, but not be attending to your stress. Because if you're not attending to your stress, how are you really absorbing the food if rest and digest is right? And you know, the like autoimmune diseases, chronic health, so much of it, it starts in the gut. It's always a gut thing. And so if you're not digesting your food well, you're not absorbing your nutrients well. Um, I mean, I was juicing and doing smoothies and eating all raw and fasting. I did all of that. And I didn't get the results that I wanted. And until I started changing my mind, you know, really learning to de-stress and let go, stop being so tightly strung. And I had to just let go of things. And Oh, it changed, but it was hard. That journey in itself is hard. Like for me, it was relatively easy to go plant-based. I switched my diet and I worked with these doctors. They told me what to eat and I ate it and I kept tweaking it. Um, you know, I worked on it over time and have changed it, but um, that wasn't as hard as the not being stressed. Like it's, you know, someone says, don't be stressed. Well, that's impossible, you know, and I'm stressed. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, I'm not sure if there's anything more difficult or simple, right? And simple doesn't mean easy, right. but anything more difficult or simple that I have experienced than letting go. Right. Like just lighten up my Kung Fu grip. Everything's yeah. like, I don't need to micromanage everything, but that process of letting go, that is just like yeah. one raw layer after another. And it's scary. It brings up fear, right? Because to not control things, to not grip onto life so much means, means more trust, means surrender. It means like, 
it's not all up to me. Well, is it going to get done? You know, it kind of, it, it's almost like that whole process leads to another whole process of letting go of thoughts about the letting go of the thoughts and the things yeah. that you're trying to control. So yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a process, right? It's a journey. Yeah. So, you <laughs> know, I know, journey. yeah, back to that <laughs> damn journey. I know. Like, start just better off. You just start embracing that today because it yeah. is a journey and there is no finish line. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about, you had mentioned like the leaky gut and I've heard you describe it before about, and so can you just describe what that is and what happens? And, um, you know, especially for athletes, we don't want, we don't want no leaky gut on race day, you know? Mm -hmm. No, no, you definitely don't. So the gut is once the, the inner lining of the gut is one cell layer thick. That's the endothelium. So just one cell layer separates your food that you eat from your body, the blood and the immune system. It all lies right underneath that one cell layer. And so that cell layer is joined by tight junctions. Real Each cell is joined real tightly together. But what can happen is, and then above that, there's a mucin layer, mucus layer that protects it. And above that are these microbiome, which we, we have this diverse microbiome, many, hopefully many of the good fiber rich, um, the, the bacteria that eat fiber, uh, or we have the bad kind, you know, if you're not eating a good diet, but you have this protective. So that's the layer of protection and you're eating food and it's digesting and, and it's absorbing through the cells, not between the cells, but through the cells, the amino acids or the um, glucose or, you know, the things like that. Um, so it's not absorbing protein. It's not absorbing, which break into peptides. It's not absorbing that. It's absorbing amino acids one at a time when you eat this food. Well, what can happen is you're when you're stressed out, you don't eat fiber-rich foods. Um, so, and remember, if you're not sleeping, even not sleeping less than six hours is considered a stressor. And that in stress itself, our thoughts can change our microbiome. So that starts to change. Then you get less of the mucin layer. Then the cell is no longer protected. Those cells are no longer protected. You're eating food. It's going through you. And it's very acidic environment in your stomach. If you, as you can imagine, it's going through the intestines. This is harsh on this one cell layer thick, right? One cell layer here, you know, think how much you rub your skin and you get abrasions and you know you have problems with it your poor gut is one cell layer and it's got to filter out um, it's got to take up the nutrients and push out toxins and push out bacteria and push out viruses and push out all the bad stuff in our food and um, it's a hard job on it and so what can happen at this point when it's breaking down is those tight junctions can start to separate just a little bit and then instead of proteins are broken down to peptides and then into amino acids. So those peptides can start absorbing across their bigger molecules and the little amino acids. They can go across. Well, right underneath that cell layer is your immune system. It's waiting there. And so it doesn't recognize a peptide. What is that big foreign molecule there? It's not an amino acid. I don't know what that is. Boom, it starts attacking it. And so you start to get inflammation and you start, this is where how autoimmune diseases are created. It starts attacking these, these peptides, which can mimic your own peptides. And then next thing you know, it's attacking your own body. And so you have an autoimmune disease. And so, or you can get joint pains or you can get headaches or skin rashes or fatigue or whatever symptoms people get. Um, and so it's from this leaky gut. The microbiome, which is supposed to be in the gut, um, can also leak across. And there's evidence of that in autoimmune people. They call it translocation, where they see the bacteria that's supposed to be in the gut and the um, part of the microbiome is now they found them in the kidney, in the spleen, in different organs and different parts of their body. It's it's a leaky gut, right? They call it um, endothelial hyperpermeability, um, where it's too permeable. It's not supposed to be that permeable. It's going across. 
Oh and God. so you can actually measure too. Um, I do blood work on people sometimes and you can measure what's called zonulin. It's released from the tight junctions. And if it's high, that tells you it's released and that person has leaky gut. Usually we diagnose it clinically if they have the symptoms, but you can measure it now as well. So you can see evidence of that. But um, so what we do to heal that is good fiber rich diet, work on our stress because that plays a role with it too. The microbiome improves and mucin layer improves a little bit of fasting, which I think we're going to talk about. And so in the time when you're not eating, if you eat like every two hours, you're constantly getting food going across. It's like imagine you have abrasion every two hours. It's like, it's never going to heal. Right. But you let it rest for 12 hours. The abrasion will start to heal up a little bit. So in the period when you're not eating that leak, that also helps it kind of start to heal. It repairs itself. Just like every part of our body knows how to repair itself. If you cut yourself, it repairs. Our guts can repair too, if we allow it. So when we don't eat, and there's not constantly acid going through and food going through, the leaky gut can actually start to heal itself. And we pull out whatever triggers there are, whether it's stress, whether it's bad food choices, whatever it is, um, some toxin in the environment, whatever's causing our leaky gut, eating all the time or eating late at night, that in itself can cause leaky gut, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we start to repair, let take those toxins out, feed ourselves the good stuff, um, it can heal, it heals up. It for sure heals up. Why eating late at night? What's the what's behind Isn't that? Isn't that the weirdest thing? Yeah. So that has been my newest thing I just learned in the past year and my own journey to get healthier and healthier. Um, so our bodies are circadian, right? And so we're meant to digest food during the daylight hours, daytime. We're And at night, we're meant to sleep and repair. We repair when we're not eating. Um, energy goes to digesting pretty much all day long. And when we're not eating, energy can go into other things like repair. And so um, at when we eat past, basically we're meant to eat till maybe 7, 8 p.m., something like that. And beyond that, you're around 10 o'clock, your melatonin kicks in. It starts to kick in a little bit earlier, let's say 8 o'clock. When your melatonin kicks in, you're, um, it's suppressing your circadian clocks of your pancreas, of your liver, of your whole body. They all have these circadian clocks. And so you stop making as much insulin. You stop the peristalsis that goes on through your intestines to push the stool and, and everything, the food through you. Um, that turns off at night. It's not even happening. So if you eat late at night, you eat a huge meal at 10 p.m., it's going to sit there till the morning. And then, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have a bowel movement. You don't have it in the middle of the night because you're not peristalsing in the middle of the night. So you're not going to have it at night. And so if you eat meat, imagine if you were a meat eater and that meat is going to sit in you all night long, all those toxins are absorbed. Yeah. It's so bad for your body, but it's even bad if you're eating vegetables and plants. Um, and we also know we're more insulin resistant at nighttime. So if you eat a bowl of oatmeal at 8 a.m., it's not going to spike your blood glucose. You eat that same bowl at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., you might get a spike of your blood glucose now because you're not as insulin sensitive anymore. You're not meant to be eating that that late at night. So, um, and what I learned myself, I read all this data, I listened to all these studies and I have some, and some um, articles and some books on tape. I was really de- delving into the circadian rhythm. It was so interesting. Well, then I ate myself eight at night one night and the next morning I woke up so achy. My joint pains were back. I haven't had joint pains in years. And I was like, oh, and so I didn't eat late at night again for a while. And then I tried it again. I ate late at night. And sure enough, if I eat too late, I wake up with joint pain. So now I have the advantage when I talk to my patients and everyone out there, if you're having joint pain, look at how late you're eating. It's, it matters. It really matters. And somebody who has maybe gut issues, like eating Mm -hmm. late at night, I can't imagine that would be a good thing. I don't recommend it for anyone anymore. Even if you don't yet have issues, I didn't have issues at one point in my life. And then all of a sudden I did. 
And if only I had eaten better before I had them, you know? Mm. So um, if you don't have issues yet, um, you want to stay that way. So you want to eat well and eat clean and take good care of yourself. And then you'll never have issues. And so you don't have to worry about it. So it's important. It's it's an actually really important factor. I work on that with all my patients, not to eat late at night. And it's hard for some. So maybe they, they're used to, you know, I have a lot of night shift workers because I work with ER people. I have a lot of ER people who see me. And um, so I understand they have to eat at night, but there's still tricks we can work on with them. Um, um, so that we keep their circadian rhythm healthy and their gut lining healthy and prevent them from getting these illnesses. But yeah, it's really important to try to get your food in earlier if, and do the best you can. And even if that means instead of eating at 10 p.m., you eat at 9 p.m., that's progress. We'll take it, you know, an hour earlier. That's great. And then over time, when you're ready, maybe we can cut it down to 8.30 or 8 or, you know, just slowly making progress. Um, that's perfect. What are some of those tricks? Like you said, there's some tricks like that, you know, people who, you know, are working ER or whatever, like some things yeah. that you can do to, uh, to help with that regimen of eating so late at night. Yeah. So um, night shift people, you know, have, and my husband still works night shifts. We met in the ER, he still works night shifts. And so um, it's really important that they eat, still eat within a circadian rhythm. So we eat within eight hours. Um, our bodies are not meant to be eating all the time. That's all there is to it. And they're really not meant to digest at night. So when he goes into work, he tries to eat, you know, normal during the day and then eat early to like say midnight. And that's it. Then nothing from 12 to 7, the rest of his shift, but water. If you're in a pinch and you need something, grab a piece of fruit, share, grab a smoothie. Always. We, we're, we, you know, if, if you're in a pinch, if you have tough patients or whatever your job is and it's become stressful and you need a little something, no worries. Get, just survive. Get through that moment. But our goal in life is not to survive, but to thrive, right? And so as a thriver, our goal then is to eat within a little bit of a window. So Troy, my husband, he tries to finish eating by 12, maybe one, you know, depending on the night and then nothing until the morning. And then he comes home, goes to sleep and wakes up and eats a big meal again. And that's been shown actually in, in studies to be protective. So people don't get the same pe- night shift workers are higher risk of getting diabetes, breast cancer, other cancers, um, heart disease. And I have a feeling a lot of this has to do with the circadian rhythm and being awake all night and it messes your whole body up. And like melatonin suppresses your, um, helps decrease breast cancer. It's been shown to do that. And so if you're working all night, you're not getting the melatonin kicking in when it gets dark. And so you're going to be higher risk for breast cancer. And so eating with a circadian rhythm has helped decrease people from being as high risk of some of these illnesses. So that's one, one thing we work on with them. Wow. That's really, it's really fascinating. And I feel like through this conversation, we've talked about intermittent fasting, but what do you you recommend like an eight hour feeding window or 12 hour feeding window? Or what do you, what are your takes on intermittent fasting? First of all, I'm a huge fan of it. There's so much data behind it. And um, as someone who uses it myself, I completely notice the difference. I mean, it's night and day for me, but um, there's not exactly a right answer to that. So, and this is based on data and working with people, but we at least 12 hours of not eating, I recommend to everyone. So at least 12 hours. So if you eat, if you wake up your first meal is at 7 a.m., you finish by 7 p.m., you eat again at 7 a.m. That in itself will give you benefits. So that is important. And if that's the best you can do, fabulous. I'm happy with that. That's great. You will probably live, do well in life. Um, if you're looking to reverse or step it up, then if you can go to 13 hours of not eating or 10 hours, 10 hours, I think is a good amount uh, because it's pretty doable. Like you can eat breakfast at nine and finish by 
um, 7 p.m., let's say, 9 to 7. It's a 10-hour window. That's pretty doable. People can do that. Or 8 to 6. You know, you can finish. Or 8.30 in the morning, you have breakfast. 6.30, you're done by. So you could do a 10-hour window that feels doable. And there are there's more benefits to 10-hour window than to a 12-hour window of eating. Okay. Then what about an eight hour window? What about a nine hour? You know, it's like, it's not that clear, <laughs> but if you do a nine hour window or an eight hour window, there are more benefits, but it can get harder. And um, I don't always recommend that for everyone long-term. I've seen people do eight hour windows and I've seen them, um, they were trying to reverse diabetes. So they were working with certain people and eating a little bit more fruit. They didn't get enough protein in actually um, as a plant-based eater. So that eight hour window for that person, um, was not enough. They need, we, we lengthened their window to a 10 hour. We made sure they got more beans in, more um, whole grains that they got enough protein. And so we had to make some changes there. Um, and so it's eight hour window is good for a short time. If you're trying to reverse something, I do recommend that for some people, but not for everyone. And if it becomes a stressor, sometimes the eight hour window can become a stressor for people. Then I also don't recommend it. And the other thing is there's studies that show there's more benefits to eating earlier in the day. It's actually good to eat breakfast. So when people are doing their eight hour window, they're often skipping breakfast, eating lunch at 12 and then eat till 8 PM or eat, eat at 11. Eat. But there's more benefits to eating breakfast actually so i want people to push their window a little earlier so if they eat their first meal let's say eight or nine then you know it might be nine or ten hour day that they is what they end up doing but that's i think the data supports that so i also have them play with it what works in their lifestyle it can't be stressful for them right so what works in their lifestyle and um we watch how they're doing are they getting the right nutrients in are they thriving do they feel energetic do they have more energy are they running better are they you know doing their events better thinking clear um losing weight so anywhere between an eight to 12 hour window for eating is where we play with and we figure out what works for people all right. I'm hooking into 10 right now. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Definitely hearing that <laughs> message. What about one day a week moving to like, um, we were playing with a 24 hour fast, uh, water mm -hmm. fast one day a week, just kind mm -hmm. of, you know, I think we stopped dinner on Sunday night around five or six, and then we wouldn't eat until Monday night mm -hmm. around five or six with, with what we found was like limited exercise. Like you don't want to stress the body with exercise, right. but you can right. move the body, go for a hike in nature, Absolutely. like something mm -hmm. like that. What do you, what, what are your thoughts on, on adding Fantastic. one of those? It's yeah. so good to not eat any periods where people are not eating is always going to be advantageous. Your body repairs and heals when you're not eating. So a 24 hour fast is good. It's short enough that most people can do it safely. Um, you're not usually too starving in that time. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's doable and um, it's fantastic. Your gut microbiome is going to heal. Your your you know your gut lining is going to heal. Your your cells are going to get rid of extra waste and trash and so many good things happen when you're not eating. So if and there's different ways to fast. So the intermittent fasting where you do eight to twelve hours that's just one way. Some people are doing every other day one day a week. Um, there's so many different ways. There's water fasting. You had Dr. Alan Golden, Goldhammer on here. There's so many different ways to fast that all of them have different benefits to it. So yeah, it's important to find what works for you. And and the po important thing is we shouldn't be eating all the time. Remember that we have pets. I don't feed my dog all day long, right? Why do I feed myself? I'm like, oh, I'll eat a few blueberries. Oh, I'll eat a few carrots. Oh, we need a snack. I have snacks everywhere in case I'm hungry. I have a snack. Well, I really don't need to be eating that much, right? My body's healing when I'm not eating, not when I'm eating. The more I'm eating, I'm probably worsening my inflammation, causing more joint pains. My leaky gut comes back. So it's really, I... 
try to, you know, reinforce that we, we feed ourselves, like we feed our animals a couple times a day. And that's, you know, big events, you guys are different. So, you know, you're training for event, you do need to eat more, you got to fuel a little bit differently. That's totally different. But in between those events, or when you're not quite pushing it, it's good if you can take time to not eat in between that and let your body just heal itself and then get back at it, you'll be stronger and better. Mm -hmm. I found that my, like, the place that it just makes so much sense to start fasting is a day that I'm flying because I'm like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just sitting there. Yeah. Right. There's really, you know, whereas there's this mindset of like panic, like you got to have all this food on the flight. Right. And so I fast, I meditate yeah. on the plane yeah. and then I think like, I'm not doing anything. So I'm resting and my yeah. body's repairing itself as I'm in yeah. this like tin can with all these people and different, you know, energies mm -hmm. and all of that. And I've just found that to be so wonderful. And you kind of feel like when you get off the plane and I've noticed that I don't feel like that yeah. anymore when I'm fat. And then I'll just, you know, if it gets in later, I'll just carry the fast through and I'll break it the next day with, with something. That's but fantastic. I, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. And you said something really important because fasting is not just about not eating, but it's also not having stress. You don't want to fast when you're in a stressful time. So your body is repairing, but if you're having stressful thoughts or you're running around, you have a lot going on, that might not be the time to fast. So you want to fast in a time where you can't take your meditation and have some quiet time and let your body do what it needs to do. Like when you go to somewhere like True North where Dr. Goldhammer is, you and, and you do an actual fast there, um, he, they teach you how to do nothing. There's a whole lecture on how to do nothing. Like just, they I want you that. just doing nothing because you're repairing when you're doing nothing. When you're active and running around, your, your energy is going to go into that instead of repairing your cells. And if you're going to take the make the effort to fast, which that it does take effort, then you might as well get the full benefits and actually heal yourself. So that's great the way you do it. Yeah. yeah. And fitness. Fitness doesn't happen when we're actually running, biking, swimming, doing the exercise. It happens when we're actually in rest and recovery. Then the right. body adapts. So yeah. Right. So it's the same concept. Same thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love this amazing body that we get to live in. I, I mean, it's just so miraculous, isn't it? It's and you're, so cool. I and agree. you're still learning. Like you're still mm -hmm. learning. You just learned this the whole thing about the circadian rhythm. I just learned that part this past year and a half, probably. That's amazing. And it's been life changing. So now with my patients, they have just that many more tools, so many tools. It's not just about drinking your green smoothies anymore. Now there's so many more things that we can jumpstart them quickly to the healthier place. I love well, it. I love that you did all the research, but then you applied it to yourself. And I think that's really, really important to, to stress here. Like we're providing information, but, and that's great. Information's great, but really, you know, apply it to yourself in your life and see what, mm -hmm. what's working for you. You probably wouldn't have uncovered that uh, circadian mm -hmm. rhythm if you weren't like, what does it feel like right. for me? Like I need to take, yeah. take this on myself. Yeah. So really I mean, you always think, well, what can I learn when I don't feel well? I think, well, what can I learn from this? But I feel like I've learned enough universe. So hopefully <laughs> I'm done learning and now I can just help people share what I have learned. So hopefully no more badness happening, but yeah. but it's true. Right. And and when they say like, it sucks to drink green juices all day long. I'm like, I know it kind of sucks. Like I agree. I don't even have anything to say, except I know it does kind of suck sometimes. <laughs> Because <laughs> you can't go hiking. I can't go running. You know, I live in Colorado. I want to go skiing on Saturday, but I can't because I'm juicing. It kind of sucks. So I, you know, so when they say that, I, I can, I have empathy with them. Like it does kind of suck, but the results are worth it in the end. So if we can just, you know, just mm -hmm. 
get through that day, have quiet day and enjoy the quietness. And on the other side, it's going to be worth it. So. Oh my God. Totally. A hundred percent. Uh, I love it. I've really enjoyed this conversation. My God, it's flown. And, uh, yeah, universe, lay off Dr. Chris. She's, she's done enough. Let her let her help her patients thrive. Come on. The cosmic joke sometimes lingers a little long. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Oh my gosh, I'm so just happy to be, uh, you feel so good to me. I'm just so happy to be connected with you. And I really enjoyed just the research I've done on you leading up to this conversation. And I hope we get to stay in touch. Thank you so much, you guys. And I love this. I hope I can be part of your community and as a healthy triathlete person too, yeah. um, not just as as someone else. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. And you're the healthy triathlete doctor. Thank you. Ooh, I like that better. See? <laughs>